You're listening to a sermon from River City Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. For more gospel-centered resources and to learn about our church, visit www.rivercitympls.com. I do want to say, too, just maybe worth noting, because I know that our AV team feels very stressed when this kind of thing happens. Um, genuinely, we are thankful for you guys, okay, and all the work you do. Yes. And uh, God is going to be worshipped either way. So it's a great, great thing to be able to gather. So Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Uh, For the next three weeks, we are going to be taking a look at three of the most foundational relationships to our lives. Uh, They're really just very essential to what it means to live together. We said last week that uh, as the spirit-filled community of God's people, we are called to live with humility in these most basic relationships. And that includes marriage, parenting, and work. These most important and central relationships are what Paul's going to talk about here going forward in Ephesians. And we're going to do it a little bit out of order. So we're going to talk about the parent-child relationship today, in part because we don't have the kids ministry happening right now. And we thought kids are in the room. We should talk about the parent-child relationship today. And so that's what we're going to do together, okay? Um, We just thought it'd be a really good thing to talk about what is an incredibly hard and remarkably rewarding vocation parenting. So if you have Ephesians chapter 6 pulled up, go ahead and stand with me for the reading of God's word. Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4 is where we'll be. And God's word says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, grab a seat and I'll pray for us. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the instruction that you give to us through it. And we're just asking for your help right now. Help us to receive what you have by your spirit. We thank you that this inspired word is still inspiring by your spirit living and active and changing us. And so would you help us by the power of your spirit to open our eyes that we might behold the wondrous things that are found here in your word. It's in Jesus' name that that we pray. Amen. Well, I want you to imagine something with me right now. Okay, Imagine that you and your spouse have wanted this dream job for years. And the day has arrived where you got the job, finally. You're going to be working for the same company. You get to work in the same office which for some of you is a dream. Some of you, maybe that's not the scenario that's a dream for you. But you, you, you both get this dream job at the same time. The only catch is that you have to wait nine months to start. And over the course of those nine months, you will get very little job training, other than the occasional advice from people who already work for the company. But after nine months, you know, the, the day has arrived. Throughout that time, your body has made a lot of changes Excessive weight gain, heartburn, difficulty sleeping, and difficulty staying awake. But the day comes. However, before you get to start, you have to go through this excruciating pain. And eventually, it's here. You're, you're working for this, for this company you've dreamed of. Uh, but now you realize you never get to leave the office. It's always there with you. 
In fact, you sleep at the office and your job seems to know no boundaries and wakes you up in the middle of the night and never lets you have that hard-earned coffee break, but you stick with it. No manual, minimal training, a job that is constantly changing. And even though the job was often thankless, thankless, the pay was terrible and the work was demanding, somehow you weep uncontrollably when it comes to an end after 18 years. What a unique and awesome privilege it is to be a parent. And today's passage is all about this parent-child relationship, which is one of these most central relationships we have as God's people. And here's the deal. I don't have any big secrets for you about parenting today. In fact, if anyone tells you they have the secret to make parenting easy, you should probably just stop listening to them at that point in time. So I don't have secrets. There's no manual for this, but God does give us some instruction about what this is supposed to look like. And based on the passage we have today, I have four lessons for us on this parent-child relationship. One of them is for the children in the room, and the other three are for the parents. Paul begins verse 1 of chapter 6 with the phrase, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul addresses the kids, and that means that he assumed that they would actually be among the church family when this was read in these house churches throughout Ephesus. And we have children in the room today, so I want to talk with the kids first, and I actually am going to invite the kids to come forward. So if you're a kid in the room and you want, you can come forward. We brought the rug in here for this reason, so go ahead. All the kids can come forward. Yeah, Liam and Emma, you guys are still kids. It's okay. <laughs> Parents, if you want to come with them, you can. But um, you guys can grab a seat on the rug, okay? Wonderful. Okay. So, kids, I just read a command that God wants you to obey your parents. How many of you guys knew that God wants you to obey your parents? Yeah? Got some hands. You, you can raise your hands. Okay, you don't have to be too timid. Um, and did you know that, uh, or maybe I'll ask this, what does it mean to obey? How would you define what does it mean to obey? Listen. listen, yeah. In our home, as we brought our kids up, we told them that obeying means to listen with a good attitude. That's what we said uh, obeying means. And did you know that parents also have to obey sometimes? We have to obey things like laws, like traffic laws. Okay, how many of your parents ever speed when they drive? Yeah. <laughs> My kids make sure. Okay. Uh, so parents are supposed to obey traffic laws, for example. And what would happen if no one ever obeyed any traffic laws? Everybody would die. Everybody would die, probably. <laughs> Not death for everyone, but injury, right? It's actually good for us. It keeps us safe to follow traffic laws. Well, when God tells us to obey him, it's kind of like that. It's actually for our good. That's what he means when Paul says that it will go well with you in the land, that you'll live long there. It's for our good that we obey. And maybe you didn't know this, but your parents give you rules sometimes, and they ask you to obey for your good. They love you enough to even ask hard things of you. But is obeying always easy? Who has a hard time obeying sometimes? Yes, right? We can all raise our hands. It's hard to obey sometimes. Yep, yes. Even the parents up here. So we have a hard time obeying, but who can help us if we have a hard time obeying? God can help us, yeah. Just a little bit earlier in Ephesians, Paul actually talks about being filled with the Spirit. 
and God's Spirit will fill us, and he can help us to obey. So I actually have a word picture to show you guys what this looks like, okay? So imagine this is you, okay? This jar is meant to be you, okay? We're going to fill you with the Holy Spirit in this picture, okay? Um, And here we have two different blocks. One of them says obey, and the other one says don't obey, Hey, sometimes it can be hard to obey, right? That's what we just went over. So sometimes we do this, and we don't obey. But God's Spirit can help us, okay? And so if you want to see the magic of this, you're going to want to sit about here over. So you guys want to come over here, okay? Behind the green line, sit in there. Okay, here's what we're going to see happen, okay? It can be hard to obey, but God's Spirit will fill us, and he can help us, okay? So let me fill this. And... Watch what happens to the arrow. Did we see what happened to the arrow? Okay, what happened? It disappeared. Oh. <laughs> it's facing the other way. That's right. The water made it flip. If you don't know how that, just physics. We can just say physics makes this work, right? But God's spirit, when he fills us, he can help us. Now the arrow's pointing to obey, okay? Um, thank you, kids. That's the lesson. Remember, God's spirit can help us to obey, even when it's hard, okay? You guys can go and grab your seat. Parents, I put it on the screen so you can see the flip. Did you guys see the arrow flip on the screen? Okay. You guys can't see it from here. There's a small window of space, but it did work. Okay, I promise you. Well, as the kids return to their seats, I also want to say something briefly about verse 2. It says, honor your father and mother. Now, some might think, well, is Paul just repeating himself? And he's not just repeating himself. He's actually extending the instruction to everyone. Verse 1 is for children who are still dependent on their parents, who are still in this phase of life where they're being brought up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Verse 2, though, is for everyone. We are all called to honor our parents, regardless of our age, regardless of our dependence upon them. And this is expressed in all sorts of ways as we grow older. It's expressed in the way that we pursue relationship with them. It's expressed in the way that we honor them in our speech and in our conduct, the way that we care for them in their aging toward the end of life. All these are ways that we can honor our father and mother. And it will not always be easy, right? Just like it's hard to obey, is it always easy to honor the people around us, people like our parents? Not always easy. But just like I told the kids, when things are hard, God's spirit can help. He will fill us. And I trust that God's Spirit will empower us for this work of honoring our parents. Now, the next three lessons are for all the parents in the room, okay? We have three lessons today for parents. And they are to require obedience with care. Second, be sensitive and gentle. And third, remember the true goal. So first, require obedience with care. Whenever we as parents require a command to be obeyed by our kids, we are giving them them an opportunity to do one of two things. We are giving them an opportunity to sin or to practice their obedience to God. And so we should require obedience with great care and great wisdom. And here's what I mean by that. If verse 1 is a command from God 
to our kids to obey their parents, then whenever we give them a command to obey and they do not listen, they are not only disobeying us, but they're disobeying the Lord as well. And as people, we are shaped by the liturgies that we keep. We are, we are formed and molded by the habits that we repeat. And so if we create an environment where our children are able to succeed in their obedience to us, they are also learning the habit of being obedient to the Lord. And on the other hand, if we make it hard for them to obey, then we are not only creating an environment where they disobey us on a regular basis and are trained to do so, but also God as well. What a weighty responsibility that we have as parents in the way that we give instruction to our kids and give them commands to obey. And one of the best ways to assess this as parents is to just ask ourselves what our motives are. Am I requiring this from the Lord because it is his instruction for them? Or is this about my convenience? Is this for their good or for my comfort? Because at the end of the day, we are not after their behavior modification. We are after their heart. Parenting is hard work because it is heart work. And I don't just want a compliant kid. I want a child who is mature in Christ. That's what we're after. Because we can train anyone to listen. We can train even our dogs to listen to us if the consequence is severe enough or the reward good enough. We're not just after behavior modification. We're after our kids' hearts. So as you give your children instruction, do it in a way that helps them to learn to obey not just you, but the Lord as well. The second lesson for parents is to be sensitive and gentle. And when I say it that way, what I'm doing is I'm putting verse 4 into a positive command rather than a prohibition. So Paul begins in verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Not provoking to anger happens when we are sensitive, when we're gentle in the way that we parent. And I'll just be the first to admit, I, I struggle with this. I am not always sensitive. I am not always gentle. As I was preparing for this sermon, I felt convicted about it this week, even in the way that I parent, because I can become impatient. I can become demanding. I struggle with this. I'm receiving this from the Lord today. Parents, I just, I wonder, do you feel this burden with me? Paul is saying that parents bear a responsibility for the way that our kids receive our instruction. And we find ourselves so often complaining about our kids and how they're responding when God's Spirit wants us to consider ourselves and our conduct. I read a story recently that gives this penetratingly vivid picture of what Paul is talking about here and why God takes it so seriously. Kirk's son, named Casey, was about nine years old at the time, and he was on the family's computer working on something, and Kirk's wife asked their son to take the garbage out. And Casey said, just give me a minute, please. And parents, who has heard the just give me a minute line, right? We hear it. It can be frustrating. Well, for Kirk, this was a trigger. He grew up in a military home, and for his father, there was no just give me a minute ever. And so at this point, Kirk responds from the living room, and he, this kind of demanding voice comes. He says, Casey, now. Casey asks for just a little bit more time, and Casey's mom says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. I'll take the trash out. 
Well, at this point, Kirk is now fuming. And so he's up out of the chair. And no way in his mind is his wife going to rescue his lazy, undisciplined son, is what he tells himself. So he's right on top of Casey now, telling him to take the trash out. And he starts making threats about throwing the computer out into the backyard. Because parents, we so often make threats that we will never follow through on, right? And so he's, this is the way he's responding. And Casey looks up at him with just a little tear coming out of his eye. And he says, Dad, I, I just needed one more minute. Fine, I'll do it. And so Casey stomps over to the trash can. And Kirk isn't going to let this go. And so he moves to the trash can with him. And he begins to tell him that if he's going to succeed in life, he can't be so lazy. And then he starts to taunt him and saying, are you going to cry now? And Casey, upset, runs upstairs to his room, slams the door behind him. Well, Kirk still can't let it go. So he runs up the stairs, yelling at him. He says, if you can't respect me, at least respect my door. So he comes back downstairs. He's about ready to complain to his wife about their child. And he finds this note on the floor. And this is what his son was working on on the computer. And this note says this, Dad, I bought you a birthday card, but I wanted you wanted you to actually be able to read what I wrote. So I'm typing this because my handwriting isn't so good. The reason I'm a little late is that I had to finish up a school project tonight. My teacher told us we had to write about our favorite superhero, but I told her I don't have one. I told her you're my superhero and I want to be like you. Superheroes like Superman and Spider-Man aren't real. They don't work hard like you do. Take me on special trips like you do. Get up at 5 a.m. on weekends after working all week to take me to a cold ice rink and watch even though I don't get to play much because I'm not a good athlete like you were. So the reason I was on the computer was that I wanted to tell you that, you, that I'm glad you're my dad and I'm lucky because my superhero is my dad. I hope I can be like you one day and make you proud. I love you, Dad. Happy birthday, Casey. This was a wake-up call for Kirk and his own parenting. He actually leads an organization now helping parents to be calm in their parenting. He saw here in his son that he wanted connection. He wanted to be seen. He wanted to be loved. He wanted to be like his dad. The reason that Paul's writing here is so radical is because it is meant to bring dignity not only to the father but also to the son. One of the reasons that Kirk should treat Casey with respect is because he is a little image bearer of God. And as his father, he is meant to be the smile of God to his son. The instruction that Paul gives, it would have been shocking to a first century reader. They would have expected this sort of command to be given to children, not to the parents. They would have thought maybe Paul would have written, children, do not provoke your fathers to anger. But Paul gives this instruction to the fathers instead. And in verse 4, Paul addresses fathers because in the first century, they were responsible for the instruction and the education of their kids. And today, fathers are as likely to be disengaged as they are to be domineering. And so to fathers, I would just say, be engaged in the life of your kids. Be active in the discipline and instruction of your children. And for all parents, mothers and fathers, be sensitive and gentle in the way that you bring up your children. Because the sort of environment where hearts are changed, where kids learn to love the Lord, is not domineering and demanding, but one in which kids learn to make meaningful connections with their parents, 
where parents treat kids with the dignity that God has endowed in them as image bearers of God. We will tell our kids more about the God that we claim to worship from the way that we parent them than anything that we say with words. And the third lesson for parents is to remember the true goal. In verse 4, Paul is not just telling them to not provoke their children, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The true goal of parenting is to give them Jesus. We are not just disciplining kids so they obey. We're not just giving instruction to make our lives easier. We want them to know Jesus, to know the love of the Father. From the time that our kids were in the womb, Megan and I began praying to the Lord, God, save their souls. And we continue to pray that prayer. In the end, the goal of parenting is not just to keep our kids safe or to make them compliant or to help them get good jobs. It is to teach them the way of Jesus, to learn the love of God, to learn to love God themselves and to love others and to have their hearts shaped by the story of God in the world. Their first picture of God's love for them is how we love them as parents. We live in a really unique time, and there is an odd combination of phenomena among our kids. Our children are physically safer than they have ever been. Because of car seats, advances in medicine, or other technology, they're physically safer. And at the same time, they are more emotionally fragile than any time that we know of in history. Depression, anxiety, suicide ideation, they're all remarkably high among our kids. And in their book, The Power of Showing Up, doctors Bryson and Siegel talk about the importance of connection in the home. In one interview that I heard of Dr. Bryson, She says that one of the best scientific predictors for how a child will turn out in terms of happiness, academic success, leadership skills, and having meaningful relationships is whether or not at least one adult consistently showed up for them in life. There is great power in a parent who shows up for their kids. And that is the sort of, this is kind of a shorthand way, her shorthand way of talking about what psychologists have called secure attachment showing up for your kids. And she said there are four S's in secure attachment. They are meant that a child should experience a feeling of being safe, seen, soothed, and secure. And as I was listening to this interview, I realized that part of raising our kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is providing a home where rather than provoking them to anger, kids feel safe, soothed, seen, and secure. Because that is what God is doing for us in his kingdom. That's the environment he is creating for us as he remakes the world into a place where all people can feel safe and seen and soothed and secure. As we tell our kids the story of God and parent them with the heart of God, we are priming them to know the love of the Father and embrace the kingdom. And here is where the gospel of Jesus can transform our parenting. Dr. Bryson went on to talk about this important step in creating secure attachment called repair. And when she talks about repair, what she, what she means by that is when we mess up as parents and we will mess up, that is a guarantee, we will mess up. And when we do, when we say something harsh or demeaning to our kids, when we feel terrible about it afterward, then we can initiate a step of repair. And the reason that we can do that as parents in the kingdom of God is because God initiated that step of repair with us. 
Even though God was not the one that fractured our relationship with him, he's the one who took the initiative to repair through great sacrifice to himself. As parents, one of the ways that we raise our kids in the discipline and instruction of the, of the Lord is to initiate repair. When we respond in humility toward our kids, when we apologize, when we ask for forgiveness, when we show them the dignity of initiating repair, when, that will tell them more about the gospel than we ever could over family devotions at the table. The good news of the gospel is that even though Jesus did not fail in his love for us, he still took the initiative to repair relationship with us. So now as parents, we are free and secure to do the same with our kids. When we were still sinners, Jesus saw us. Through great sacrifice to himself, he has provided a safe home for us. He bore our sin on the cross and he soothes our sorrows and our pain. Through Jesus, we are seen, safe, soothed, and secure. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And you might think that it is your fault that people have abandoned you in life, but you need to know that there is nothing that you can do that will cause God to abandon you. He is with you for good through Jesus. And part of raising children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord is to be the smile of God to them in the way that we show up for them, in the way that we see them and soothe them, the way we initiate repair, the way we humble ourselves in love toward them. We must, we must remember the goal of parenting. It is not compliance. It is Christ. Parenting is hard work because it is heart work. And we may not get any job training. We might not get a manual. It might be difficult and demanding. But the great news is that God is in our corner as parents. He is for you in your parenting. He is with you in your parenting. He wants you to succeed in your parenting even more than you do. He is the perfect father to us so that we can be the smile of God to our kids. And so together, let's be that today. Thank you for listening to this sermon from River City Church. If you found this resource helpful, we encourage you to share it with your friends and family. We exist to see weary lives renewed through relationship with Jesus in the Twin Cities and beyond.